Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they are all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Returning to our show today is School District of Menominee Falls Superintendent, Corey Gallo. Corey, you've previously shared with us in episode number 70, the remarkableness of your entire staff who came together to identify problems, solutions, and you use the organization's guiding principles to make decisions with, about student safety as really your first priority. And I know that as you've gone through the disruption with COVID, you know, beginning in March, that the work that you've done with, um, with your staff and with your leadership, you know, it's just been premier across the country. And we had an opportunity in that episode to talk about that. So first of all, I just want to say again, congratulations to you and your team for just the phenomenal work that you've done in a, in a very difficult time. And so today we've invited you back on the show to focus specifically on the planning you've been doing in Waukesha County as a region to begin your first school year with a safe start and then to manage through all the things I know that you and, and your staff and your leaders will will need to manage through as we move into the new school year and bring our students back together with our teachers. Corey, it's so great to have you back on our show today. I know I've had you attend here as a guest and it's been great to have you. And so welcome back um, to focus on this topic of the day. Welcome. Yeah. No, oh, thanks, Janet. I, I always appreciate working with you. Sounds great. So let's jump right in. Uh, you know, as you know, I had a chance to connect with Paul Farrow and Dale Shaver on an episode, and they were focusing on Waukesha County and the work that they've done in Waukesha County. And I know as a superintendent, you've been connected um, to that work. So, you know, as you've worked with Paul and Dale and the Waukesha County government team, how has working together with them impacted your planning at the school district? Well, I think there's, we've really got a lot of synergy and it's, 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 it's providing a lot of a lot more clarity for us, uh, especially having the just direct access to our county Department of Health and to be able to have very real honest conversations. One, just the current conditions in our in our community related to COVID, and then understanding their recommendations. And they're actually taking the time to review a lot of our plans and giving us uh, recommendations and feedback on those so we can make things more safe. And at the same time, uh, they're, they're listening to us a lot as we talk to them about the challenges with some of their recommendations, which allow them to kind of evolve and think of uh, different creative ways that they can advise us that would still allow us to, you know, do the, do the work that's at the core of our mission. Yeah, and they, you know, I just felt like, um, Corey, when I was talking with Dale and Paul, you know, they've taken real initiative and effort here, right? I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't think that's standard practice across most counties. I mean, it, is that right? Am I, am I thinking right there? Yeah, they have. I can't say enough about Paul's partnership because, you know, there's, there's the health, there's uh, the COVID, there's so many unknowns, and then there's also politics involved in this. And I just really appreciate Paul's willingness to roll up his sleeves to talk with us, work with us, understand the challenges that that we face and help us problem solve. So um, he's not at all afraid to stand shoulder to shoulder with us in 
our efforts to plan. He's, he's given us such great access to his people to help us create a plan that, you know, really helps us accomplish both of our goals of first and foremost, we need to do our very best to keep people safe. And secondly, we need to continue educating students. We don't want this to be the, the generation of students who lose a year of face instruction because of COVID-19. So yeah. I say enough about uh, their, their leadership, their initiative, just their willingness to be involved with us. That's great. And yeah, you know, I think that has to be a, you know, a great, I don't know, fear, fear may be too strong, but, you know, just apprehension, I'm sure the last thing you want is to go into this year, you know, and, and just think, oh my gosh, you know, we had, I mean, with what we had to manage through at the end of the year, you know, we don't want continued loss for our students. I mean, that has to be at top, top of mind for you all. Right. As you know, we're very proud of what we did and how our people stepped up and we felt like we, we really did a, a nice job of continuing to be there for students, keeping them engaged, trying to move their, their learning forward. But we can't replicate what we do day to day in a classroom in that virtual model at this point. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, we try to find a way to get students back into some normalcy as we're able. Right now, the, you know, we're at a lower risk position. So we're, we're planning for that. And, you know, as long as our community can work with us and they can do what they need to do to keep us, keep, keep things safer. We're, we're hopeful we can, we can get open and stay open. I hope so too. I, I think that's, you know, with what you all have done, I think you have great opportunity to do that. You know, school leaders around the country are, are feeling uncertain, you know, because the recommendations are ever-changing and unclear. I mean, I have conversations mm-hmm. weekly um, with education, with school districts, as well as higher ed, too, as you know, Corey. And and um, so, you know, as you, as you think about how you've engaged with the Waukesha County government, with Paul and Dale, how's this process of planning together supported your work? Well, and, we're, and, and you're right, it is changing. So this piece is evolving, but we're going to be there in a very short time that I feel confident that we're going to have some concrete metrics to tie our decisions to. So right now, the decision about the model we'll be in when we open is based on, you know, the model will be based on the current health conditions in our community as defined by our county leadership and those people specifically working uh, in the Department of Health, and we'll have an agreed upon set of metrics that we can watch. And we know that we need to be prepared to adjust our model in either direction based on how those conditions change. So we will start the year with with certainty, but we'll start the year with a clear plan on how, where we'll start based on those current health conditions and how we'll react should those metrics change. And that's that's giving us a lot more direction I'll add to that. The second thing that's been helpful is just working through the recommendations, understanding those very clearly. Things like just defining terms, like what does a you know social distancing versus physical distancing? What do those terms mean? What is a uh, you know when we talk about contact tracing, what exactly how are they defining? That's going to be a big challenge for schools that go to -to face-to-face instruction is, you know, if we have someone gets ill and we have to trace, we're going to have to backtrack and understand who that student or staff member was in contact with. And and we need to understand those terms 
So we're, we're getting very clear on the metrics. We're getting very clear on the goals and we're getting much more clear on just our general understanding of all the terminology and factors that come into play in all of this. I really, um, really appreciate what you said, Corey, because, you know, sometimes we tend to just look at actions or tasks that we need to do. You know, we need to do this to get started. But, you know, you all have always been a model school district and really looking at those measures that matter and those metrics that help guide your decision making. And, um, you know, there, there are probably metrics, some of those metrics you've not had to, to focus on before. Um, yeah. But, you know, some will be the same, but some are, are just ones that will be, point, you know, front and center for you, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's really refined our understanding of, you know, short cycle improvement. Yeah. It's um, refined our understanding of, you know, metrics don't have to be perfect. Yes. That's information we have and make make the decisions that seem right, but let's make sure we're evaluating those correctly. That's great. You know, that, and we're all learning that, you know, we're learning that as well. You know, we, I mean, that, that, uh, that, you know, as we build those measures, instead of trying to figure out exactly what those right measures are, let's just get the ones we think are right and just start working toward, toward them and being okay if they, they modify and change. So it's helping us in the work that we do build more flexibility and agility, you know, so as you think about learning and what you've learned, um, you know, just from a, from a personal and professional standpoint, Corey, what are you learning most, you know, through this process? Oh, wow. That's a great question. You've learned so much uh, collaboration, you know, high speed collaboration. I'll tell you something that's very current to us and in, been in our meetings this week is um, we're using stoplight reports to track our key action steps. But we're also learning that you can't work too fast. And we just spent some time yesterday going back and reviewing, you know, what were what are the key elements of a project? And while I'm not asking teams that we don't have the time to build project charters, the key elements of a project is having clarity in what the project is, having a clear understanding of where you're heading, having a Gantt chart so you're tracking towards your ultimate destination, having clarity on who needs to be on the team and why they're on the team, having clarity of who needs to know what decisions were made and what plans are being made. Um, all of those things, risk assessments uh, of understanding what's the risk if we get this wrong what might go wrong. So even though we're working at a fast pace, we're asking that everyone ask themselves those key questions. So you're not just looking to check something off the list and put a green mark by it. You're, you have more confidence that, that those green marks mean the, the work was done at a high level and a low risk for failure. That's such a that's such a great lesson just in general. You know, I, I wonder if so, you know, as I ask you this question, you know, you could have given me a number of responses. And I just think that what you just provided, Corey, is so, so, so important. I mean, it's important because the time of because of the urgency that's at hand and the critical decisions that we're making force that to be urgent. I mean, the other thing, too, is sometimes our habits of practice move us more to just the check off, you know, more than really yep. looking at building that reflective practice into is it, you know, should we check this off our list based on where we where we are and have we put enough into to the thought process to do that? I mean, that's just I see time and time again how how that becomes a barrier for moving organizations forward just in general. Does that make yeah. sense to you? It, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, Jeff, Jeff Nenning, 
he and I have, uh, were working together this morning. Um, I just, I pulled Jeff in because he's such a good thinker. I mean, he is uh, one of just a few black belts we have um, in lean thinking. And we were just listing like, how do we, how do we slow people down a bit? And we were listing some key questions we want people to ask. Like if, if we were to fail, what would that mean for student health or employee health? If we were to fail, what would it yeah. to student learning? And those are key questions that we want to put at sort of the cover of our meetings. So people just remember like, yes, we do need to work quickly, but not everything is a just do it. And there, yeah. are, there are some moments where we have to slow down. Now, Jeff also rightfully said, Corey, we can't leave those as negative questions. <laughs> success means this happens and I'm like yeah I, I love it yeah I can just see him <laughs> I can just see Jeff <laughs> Jeff uh, saying that too I've, I've got a picture of Jeff right now Corey in my yeah. mind so we all we all depend on Jeff to give us uh, that type of input and, and guidance and help uh, so Corey as we close today um, you have a lot of experience um, just kind of managing through a change process and really you know, building connections with communities in particular ways with decision-making. So as we look out there and leaders are making those changes and they're facing that resistance because any decision is going to build that resistance, you know, what advice or recommendations do you have for your colleagues to manage that change in their communities? Yeah, you know, I'll relate this to just even the last question as we were talking about Jeff flipping my, my statements is what I'm learning, continuing to learn is the importance of speaking positively about a bright future. And so in the midst now, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic, you know, we've had so much loss and uncertainty, but to be speaking hopefully and with clear vision about we're excited to have students back and we're excited to bring people back um, safely and we're excited to partner with our, our, continue to partner with our parents around their students learning um, there's a confidence that we'll be able to overcome any challenges we face because of the things we've been through before. So I think those confident statements are helpful and it, it gets us beyond some of the divisiveness of things that have happened in the past. So I think publicly, that's how I tend to face it. Um, privately, uh, I think I spoke to you about this before, it's giving myself and asking my leadership to give themselves space to get away from the work, to get away from the negativity, to do things that make them whole and, and, and feel good about the work. And just to some degree, you've got to, even when there's work to do, you have to tune it out a, a bit just so you can be ready to be in that positive space the next day. And at this point, it's an old coaching phrase, but you know we have to be the face that people need. And people are very hungry for leaders and leadership that is confident, that's positive, that's hopeful and joyful. And I, I think that's that's the challenge of leadership right now. So well said, Corey. And I think it is the challenge of leadership. And we also know from the research, it's true best practice, right? I mean, the most successful leaders um, really lead through difficult times, you know, with that positive outlook and, you know, knowing they can take challenges and turn those into opportunities. And um, you sure know how to do that. So I uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, the time that you are spending with us um, to to talk uh, to our listeners about your experiences uh, and just appreciate the members of the community in Menominee Falls and um, your school district. 
No, I appreciate that, Janet. The kind words always always mean a lot. And as you know, it's not, you know, nobody's born doing this. We all learn it. And uh, I've, I've learned it with you. So I, I appreciate all everything you've done to help us get to where we're at. Thank you very much. KK is joining us to talk about work we've been doing recently to help our partner organizations create a plan for moving forward after COVID-19. As I mentioned about the reentry toolkit, you know, we created that toolkit. You were part of that process to support our partners because we were hearing from them, you know, there was a great need to get help. And um, I know you're going to, with that toolkit, going to lead four roundtable sessions aligned to that toolkit, three sessions in July on Tuesdays. Tell us what you're going to do in these roundtables. I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear. What we're going to do at the roundtables is really address current issues that K-12 school district leaders are grappling with, and especially those issues for which there are no precedents. We don't really have a bank of best practices for re-entry. This is really new territory that we're traversing here. So not only are we going to link useful tools from our re-entry toolkit to people who join us for these roundtables, we're also going to really talk about very current issues. We'll be sharing a couple of tools from the toolkit at each roundtable, but more importantly, we're going to meet a need that has been expressed by many leaders around the country, and that is really this question, what are others doing? Everyone wants to know what are other people doing? So the bulk of our time in the roundtables is going to be just that digital table conversations where leaders can convene in small groups, share, listen, learn from each other. Our student education coaches are going to be facilitating these small groups to keep the discussion going around the topic. But it's really so that everyone can listen to each other, learn from each other, tie back to our toolkit if it's helpful to them. And then the share out will help people hear a little bit about what's discussed in each of the breakout rooms. Yeah, I like that, KK. I think it's going to be be really helpful to leaders, you know, to hear from each other. You know, how do you, how could they, based on the leaders that you work with, you know, how could these roundtables be helpful to them? I think something that is in the forefront of everybody's mind is that leaders know they have to be decisive right now. Stakeholders are expecting that from the leaders, but this is hard because we're making a way where there is no way. We don't have a way forward to re-entry. And, and that's why the roundtables I think are so important because we can learn from each other and we can bring people together who are experiencing some of those same problems. And uh, we've, we all wanted to do this as just a service that we provide um, and you know just appreciate that opportunity. To learn more about our re-entry toolkit, preparing leaders for a successful return to school next year, join KK at our next re-entry roundtable on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Visit studereducation.com to register and find out more. So as we close today, I just want to, again, extend my appreciation to Corey and the leadership team and the School District of Menominee Falls and just appreciate the partnership that we've had with them um, throughout the past several years. They've just been a, a tremendous partner for us. And as I think about what Corey said, you know, there were a couple of things that resonated with me, and I, I hope they resonate with you, and I hope these are things that you can take with you as you go out um, to, to what you are, are doing throughout the week and, and as you begin to make your plans through these transitional times. You know, one thing Corey said was that metrics, you know, don't have to be perfect. And uh, we had a little bit of a conversation about that. And I think it's probably not only the metrics, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to achieve perfection. 
we're going to strive for excellence and we're going to learn from particular mistakes that we make along the way. And when we measure those things and we're looking at those measures and those measures are constantly evolving, they're really going to help us make the right decisions and do the right things. But I think if we strive for perfection, you know, we'll, we'll miss excellence. So I, I just encourage us to really think through what that means for us. I, I'll do that within our organization as well. And the other thing I think Corey said that is really significant today is that, you know, it's really asking when, when sometimes we're so busy trying to get things done or create a plan and do the checkoff. But, you know, he also talked about it. We can't just be compliance driven to check off something off our list that we really have to ask deeper questions and the right questions to make sure that the things we're checking off. Are, are the things that are most significant. And that, you know, I think it was really great when he gave the example of, we could just go in and, and create the structure of a classroom, but if we don't talk to teachers as we're doing that, it's gonna be very difficult for teachers to really embrace that classroom structure. But if we talk to them up front, then we've basically done this together. And so as, as we end today, so many things, when you look back with Paul and Dale and working with Corey and then looking at what, their leaders will do with with our employees. You know, it really is about how do we work together and collectively and continue to engage in the conversations that are the right ones so that we're prepared to provide students and their families with the best education. I thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. To find resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.